Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Ben Crawford is the CEO of Central Nick. It's a leading domain name and internet services business. And uh, it's a really interesting story that Ben's got for us today. He took a 12-person business and grew its revenues 250 times in just over a decade. It's now over $500 million in turnover, 700 employees. It's a fascinating journey. He showed the key move that he made to kickstart growth. He shows the real power of a marketplace strategy as you increase the number of suppliers uh, or customers uh, and the number of products. Really, really interesting. And really what comes out of this for me is Ben's focus on relationships and how that's expressed itself so powerfully in his leadership style. This is a great conversation with Ben Crawford of Central Nick. Hi, Ben, and welcome to the show. Hello, Richard. Hey, it's great to have you today. This is called the Impact Multiplier podcast, and you have multiplied your impact. <laughs> we were just talking about this, right? You grew the revenues of Central Nick, the business which you're CEO of, 250 times in the last 12 or 13 years. You said when you joined, it was about 2 million, and now it's getting on for 500 million. Uh, and you've grown from, I think, 12 staff to 700 staff. So this has been an incredible journey. I know that Central Nick has just been uh, acknowledged in the Financial Times uh, 1000 list of one of the fastest growing companies in the world. And I know that you've doubled, I think, in size in, I think, six of the last seven years. Yep. So this has been a fantastic story. And I want to get into get a bit underneath both the journey of that scaling with you. Uh, but also the mission that you're on, right? What keeps you going? What drives you? What gets you out of bed every morning? Um, you know, beyond the obvious financial success that you've already had uh, for anyone who's grown a business um, and added uh, $480 million onto their, onto their revenues. So, so let's dive in. Um, first of all, perhaps just give us a bit of context. Tell us a little bit, you know, just a few sentences really around what, what's Central Nick and how did you end up in the top job? <laughs> Very good. Well, as you said, uh, when I joined Central Nick, it was a domain name registry company. It was very small. It employed 12 staff and it was turning over a few million dollars, but it was profitable. And, um, and, and they brought me on as a consultant. And then the, the, the top job became available. So, so I took it. And at the time, I'd just come off doing two roll-up strategies, one in the sports industry and one in the art in the art business. Uh, the, uh, with the global financial crisis in 2008, the art business kind of collapsed as no one got their bonuses, so no one went and bought paintings for their penthouses. And so, um, but this looked like a, a, a very interesting business. And 
as far as the online services industry where it sat was concerned, it, it was a fascinating area. I'd worked on the internet since the mid nineties and, um, and I thought, well, hey, there might be an opportunity here. And, uh, and so, yeah. what excited you about that opportunity? Because you know, it's a domain name. It's, it sounds okay. It's you know, it's a, a technical technical thing that, that's going on. What was it that got you going? Yeah, this is where I'm going to double down. Well, I think I, um, probably one thing was that um, there was a big change going to occur at some point. Ended up not occurring for until about four years after I started which was the introduction of new top level domain names and so whilst every country had its country code there was .com.org and .net and so on there hadn't been an opportunity for a kind of introduction of lots of domain names for years and we happen to have a really good distribution platform and so indeed what we went what I did is pull together a team um, went out and won 60 contracts to distribute these new top-level domain names. And as nobody really knew what the potential was, like the VeriSign, the company that, that manages .com, is, is a billion-dollar, 50-plus percent EBITDA margin business mm. with Warren Buffett on the, on the, on the share register. So if you, if, if you succeed, there's a pretty good outcome. Mm. And so off the back of that, we actually IPO'd. And so we IPO'd as a very small company. I think we had revenue up to 4 million by that stage and about 20 odd staff. Um, But we had these 60 contracts that could potentially take us a long way. Um, And I guess once we IPO'd, that gave me access to, to, to capital and, um, and what happened with the new top-level domain names, it was great. We became the number one distributor of new top-level domain names in the world, which we remain today. But that, that, that product segment kind of plateaued fairly quickly. Let's say by year two, we kind of knew that it was plateauing. So we decided to use the money we'd raised and the fact that we could continue to raise money to buy other internet services businesses and so I kind of got back into the swing of doing my roll-up strategies, mm. which brings us to today. Right. So, yeah. So you, over that journey, that's been, there's been a whole bunch of companies that you've acquired to expand the breadth of services and the reach of the business. Indeed. Indeed. So I think, I think about um, 15 all up that mm-hmm. we've acquired over that time. And um, but I would also say that last year we actually delivered 38% organic growth. So it isn't just a, a, a matter of buying companies. Mm. We have a marketplace model, which means we buy companies with different products and different customers, and then we kind of merge them all together so all the products can be sold to all the customers. Mm. And that does have quite a successful multiplier effect in terms of driving growth. So whilst the companies we acquired might have been growing at 5% a year, we're now as a group growing at 38% a year. Yeah, it's fascinating. Do you have, do those different business units have a lot of autonomy or are they kind of more brought into one corporate structure at that point? Well, well, obviously, they had to start with a lot of autonomy because if you only have 20 staff and you're actually running a business with those 20 staff, we didn't have what they call in the world of M&A a mothership. We didn't have one. We no. had no processes, systems, head office staff, etc. So a couple of years ago, we decided we had to change from being a 
uh, essentially a holding company for a portfolio of businesses to actually getting into this integration because, and we only had 5% growth in that time until we really got into that integration. And um, Okay, so that was the kickstart for you, the integration. It was, and it was a big decision because we invested $10 million back into ourselves rather than buying companies. We hired a lot of staff. We set up a lot of systems. We um, merged companies together. We changed leadership. Uh, so essentially what we did is we centralized the back office functions and so, and then changed the roles of the business managers from managing a company like a general manager to just focusing on driving the revenues and the organic mm-hmm. growth. And sometimes that involved putting in people with quite a different profile. It was painful. It was expensive. But $10 million of annual investment, it's annual because it's it's software licenses and staff and so on, uh, resulted in over $100 million of additional revenues after the first year. So it was clearly money well spent. Right. That's yeah, that's fascinating because I, it's been a theme in in the last series of um, secrets of scaling on the podcast. I think one of the themes was, um, you know, was this kind of yeah decentralization, like giving people responsibility. But I think a lot of the time, again, it was around that responsibility for the revenue line, you know, and then saying we'll take care of the machine, be, exactly. be entrepreneurial on the revenue side where you've got control. Exactly. Uh, and you can see it. If you buy a business that's grown at 5% a year, it's very hard to drive that business up to 20% a year unless you change something quite fundamental. Mm. And obviously, if one of the fundamental things is, okay, now you don't have to worry about you know, compliance, tax, payroll, yeah. uh, you know, project management, product, IT services, just get more customers and upsell mm. them. It, it, it it's it, and also obviously changes the culture and it's a difficult change because it means people who who were relatively autonomous become yeah. less so. So I have a question for you. Jeff Bezos um, says that whenever he sees, meets a founder of a company, he always asks them, "Are they a missionary or a mercenary?" He says mercenaries based fundamentally want to flip their stock, um, and missionaries really care about the customer experience and that's what gets them out of bed in the morning. So there there might be other ways, but I wonder how you respond to that. Where are you on that scale? I guess, I mean, bearing in mind that I've been with the company now for what, 12 years or whatever, and haven't sold a share. I think that, 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 that might, that might show where I'm falling on that. But look, yeah, no, we're, we're, we have, we're a very mission-driven company, and um, and our, our mission is to make the internet everybody's domain, and that essentially means that it's everybody in the world, and and that very much, I guess, reflects my own global perspective, which I'd say uh, is kind of far from from, from obvious. Um, uh, the industry. We started in domain name started very much with companies popping up all over the world around the year 2000 when the internet was privatized to help local businesses get online. And, and we had a totally different approach. We're like, no, the internet gives us potential to be global. Let's be global from day one. And, um, and so what does that mean? It's not, it's not like we're about global domination. It's more about, we're about inclusiveness and about, and just the excitement of engaging with new people and new challenges and, and, and new territories and so on. So what that's meant is we've acquired 
businesses in a dozen countries. We have um, customers in almost every country in the world. Um, we have staff from all over the world. When Central Inc. was just a small company in London, I used to um, to recruit staff, advertise on Gumtree to get the kind of most recent immigrants, backpackers, whatever, right. uh, uh, and a small world to get the kind of international traveler types um, because uh, I wanted to be the person that discovers this new talented person that's just arrived in London and get mm. them on board. And it didn't matter where they came from in the world. And I think before COVID, we had this um, this philosophy, again, I think very much coming from me, let's get on a plane, go go to that country, meet the people, form a relationship, cut a deal, while our competitors are still doing their research about you know, market feasibility or what have you. Mm-hmm. And, and that was very successful for us. But then obviously COVID came along and, and that changed entirely. So I went from doing like uh, over a million kilometres a year of travel and pretty much flying almost every day to, um, to, to stopping. And, that, and that's actually dovetailed very well with our return to being carbon neutral as well. Mm. So, so we were yeah, carbon neutral. Yeah, yeah, we were carbon neutral before before all this started. We're carbon yeah. neutral again now. Yeah. Um, so, so then tell me. So, you just to slow you down on that. You you really talked there about what I really heard was a kind of a bit of a relationship first thing going on there. I yeah. don't know if I'm if that's right, but it sounds like you. Yeah, you you really value that uh, it, human interaction. Absolutely. So, so it might seem ironic that we're delivering our services over the internet, but we're building our relationships personally. But that's that that that's mm. the approach we've taken. And I think again, um, we have we have a gen- uh, quite quite a perhaps different approach to business than than maybe a, a whole lot of tech companies. Um, in that we do view as kinds of relationships with all kinds of different organizations as being very important. And, um, uh, but now I think uh, a big challenge we're facing today, and I think we're doing fine, but we can do better Mm. in it is using the internet to build those relationships Mm. rather than um, doing it all in person. And, 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 and everybody struggles. I struggle with doing it because it's, it, it doesn't come natural but all we've got to do is look at um, uh, all the tools that are available for us and, and know that, Hey, this is, this is happening. Uh, you know, this, you know, this, the, it is absolutely possible to develop relationships, never having met someone. And indeed we've now acquired companies without actually me having ever yeah. met people, the, the, the vendors or, or, or the, or the, or the staff. Yeah. So it's a new experience, but um, I, I personally believe that's the game we need to win now. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I should have been at the event. I, was, I ran an event last week uh, called uh, The Hybrid CEO. It was a round table of a, of a whole bunch of CEOs who came together and looked talking about like how, you know, what's the leadership requirement on a CEO? Or, you know, how do you want to show up and lead and, 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 uh, structure the business in that hybrid world most people have got 
remote working policies and everything in place. So that's not the issue, right? It's more about where the new, where's the next level of opportunities. And, and that's really what you were starting to talk about. And I actually shared, um, I started off with a bit of a story around, I mentioned it before, but Amazon, right? saying that when Amazon came along, they were a bookstore on the line and people thought that's like an inferior shopping experience to the real bookstore where you can go and pick up the book and you can browse it. But then fast forward a couple of years and suddenly, wow, you know, this online bookstore, you can get all the reviews, the recommendations that, you know, a personalized uh, option. You can, you can check out what's inside the book, um, all the rest of it, right? You can, you can get it the next day. You can return it if you don't want it. Yeah. So suddenly what was seen as a inferior option actually kind of reimagined what the experience should look like and became the superior option in many ways, or at least arguably, right, for many people. And, uh, and so the question was, well, so often we start with this idea that, well, online is definitely going to be inferior to in-person meetings. And obviously there's many things you can't replicate, but what would it look like to actually turn the tables a little bit for certain sorts of interactions and kind of start to think about that? Uh, absolutely, and so so I, I kind of very strongly believe that that's that's the direction we're moving in, and part and part of part of that is we've moved uh, our data science and AI team into a head office function now, looking at everything that we do, including uh, uh, sales, customer relation management, account management, marketing, and so on, um, uh, because because I'm uh, I'm I'm convinced that this is it's entirely possible to build excellent relationships online it's yeah. just it's almost a generational thing um and because i i can think about exactly my daughter um before she uh before she started um i guess it was before she went to college she um she already uh had contacted 2030 people who were in her class and they were already communicating and she was in London and they were in New York um, before she started. So, so, so it's there. It's just, uh, it's just how to take that technology and make it work for business. And a lot of it's to do exactly with social media. So so Ben, um, yeah. So on this topic that, you know, you've created, you know, some great things obviously in this business when you, at some point, in the future when you kind of step back what's the legacy that you most want to have left what will be the most satisfying part of that journey for you well i think there were kind of old models of the internet when it started people thought hey the internet is this world of um you know uh, uh, uh individuals free from big business and then inevitably that that you know it, it became big business and then it was big business free from government interference and of course i think we're right in the midst of that just being destroyed as a vision and 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 our perspective or my perspective is definitely look it's going to reflect the real world the internet right so there's going to be entrepreneurs there's going to be enterprises there's going to be governments and the key thing is a company like us what we're trying to do is bring it together in a way that on the one hand addresses business opportunities and so obviously one of the things we do is we work with enterprise entrepreneurs and governments and we work with the big tech platforms so i can see a you know, multi-hundred billion dollar opportunity here. But at the same time, we're trying to just make the internet a better place. 
And and part of that is our business model is very different from a lot of tech companies. We've never taken people's private data and sold it. We've never tried to impose you know, foreign content and products on people. What we do is we sell them the tools to build, secure, and monetize their own patch of the internet, no matter where they are in the world. And we think that's so, so making the internet more inclusive and more reflective of society and, um, is, I think, what, what our company is trying to achieve. And certainly in this role, that's what I'd like to see. It's Richard here with just a quick interlude. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, I have a free resource that you won't want to miss. I've put together a short email course called Exponential Leadership Principles. In it, I set out how you can use the same strategies as some of the world's top leaders to get out of incremental progress and achieve breakthrough results. Be prepared to have your current thinking challenged and to learn some very new ways of leading. If you're interested in following along, simply sign up at xquadrant.com slash go slash exponential and now back to the conversation yeah i love it i love it just turn for a second to your your daily life as a, as ceo at this point what would be yeah one or two things which really energize and excite you personally right now in the business and what would be one or two things which actually drain you and slow you down and when you're not in your not in your sweet spot uh, well, I think, I think I, I'm very driven by a sense of responsibility and by success, and I'm very intellectually curious about the next challenges. But all of those things tend to be internal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually think, I mean, I personally am, I think, very kind of zen and not. And and my whole thing is I'm I'm not that affected by the the external like that's not gonna my mood's not gonna swing based on 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 phone call X or Y, and to me that's actually a kind of key part of being being a leader is um I'm I'm gonna be a reliable safe pair of hands mm. and 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 when things go yeah. <laughs> When things are going one way or the other, uh, I'm not going to kind of lose sight of where, where where we're headed and 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 so on. So, I guess I try mm. not to be uh, influenced one way or another by yeah what's happening. Yeah, it's interesting. I was one another of my clients that said very something very similar that he's really managed to build that kind of car, you know, unperturbable mm. exterior. Really, I I'm just wondering how have you done that. Right. What's the what's the thought process? I mean, has it been a learning curve, or has you always had that? No, I think. I, well, look. I mean, temperament is obviously so, so, something that that you kind of um, d- develop in childhood or whatever, no doubt. But I would also think, um, no, I, uh, uh, there, there's been episodes in my life where, uh, in my working life, where things have been so bad, I've literally thought. If I can get through this, <laughs> then you know, then essentially there couldn't be anything worse. And and I do think that they're probably the key kind of pivotal experiences mm. in saying, 
and um and also look i'm i'm a big believer in uh in in um therapy and uh and and in my i have a lot of interest in uh, psychoanalysis in particular as and um and so i think that kind of process which you could do i'm sure through mindfulness and whatever too of actually examining what is anxiety what causes it how do we how does my mind work reacting to bad situations and so on i think that's a very helpful thing and i would advise pretty much anybody to to take all that stuff pretty seriously because i think mm. it does uh uh yeah it, it, it especially if you're looking for positions of responsibility yeah. to be less reactive and more um, and, and be able to bring more kind of self-knowledge and calmness to, to a situation will n- normally make you better at dealing with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I often say you don't get what you want, you get who you are. And it's something that actually when we work on ourselves in that way, we find that other things happen around us uh, in, a different, in a different way. Indeed. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's just kind of perhaps move on, um, Ben, to our little quick fire questions here. I'm always interested in finding out uh, what some of the inputs are in terms of uh, books and, and yep. inputs of people and different things that, that have changed perhaps uh, the way that you, you lead. So what's a favorite quote of yours that perhaps is something that you live by or that comes to mind often when you're in leadership? Um. Well, I could tell you some quotes from my first boss, but he's an absolutely foul-mouthed man. So, <laughs> so um, I, I don't know if they're appropriate, but but um, one thing I was I just read recently from from um, Dean Rusk, who was I think what Secretary of State under under, under Kennedy was, um, he said one of the best ways to persuade others is by listening to them, and. Um, and I think that that's that very much is kind of reflective of uh, of the management style or the leadership style that I try to uh, to to embody. Yeah, I, I I hear that in you. You you've got that um, you said that kind of uh, poise, and you talked a lot about building relationships. And so I can you know, although it's hard for you to know, I don't really know you very well, but I, there's that <laughs> sense of. Yeah, perhaps, yeah, being tuned in to what people are saying, right, rather than just driving forward with your own own vision. Immediately. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think it, it's both. On the one hand, I think leadership is taking charge. But on the other hand, I don't think that means imposing your, it being authoritarian. Mm. It just means setting up the process so that you're running it. But then you want to abnegate your ego and you really want to listen, you want to find out, you know, you want to take responsibility for everything that goes wrong as well as everything that goes right. You want yeah. to bite and get criticism and so on because I think you need you, the combination of those two things is, is what's going to make you successful. Yeah, absolutely. What about a favourite app? So is there anything that you have on your phone that is like your go-to um, perhaps well, a bit outside the usual gamut. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I'm an open internet guy, not an app guy, as a um, and all about websites. But I think one that I do use is um, it's a it's a it's a concierge service called Velocity Black, where you use uh, um, text. So rather than having to get on websites and book 
plane tickets or get the phone and sit in the queue to try and get a restaurant booking. You just text them and they do it all for you. So it's it's actually a pretty useful service. Yeah, very nice. What about a book that's influenced you? I've read a lot of books, but I, I, I was thinking about that. There, there's a book by Dave Logan called Tribal Leadership, which... Um, which I'd say I, I quite enjoy. And it's, um, it kind of categorizes companies by, by, by the culture. And having started my working career in a really terrible civil service job, um, where <laughs> actually collecting sales tax for people renting out fishing rods, uh, <laughs> uh, that was obviously a very kind of low morale. Uh, uh, business where he he would describe it as a business where the culture is defined by the words life sucks mm. and, uh, <laughs> and all the way up to businesses which are all about empowering individuals and then eventually empowering the company and so it's yeah it's 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 a fun book and I think very perceptive as well as I, I I've often used it to help categorize uh, people and companies Okay, very nice. I'll check that one out. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Uh, <laughs> um, I think I'd, ha- I'd, I'd have to advise them what horse to, to pack in the Melbourne <laughs> Cup if I, <laughs> if I could look back with what I know today. Yes. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, last one is... Yeah, many of our best guests on the show do come from referrals. So I'm always curious to know who inspires you as a CEO, who's somebody perhaps who you've encountered, um, you know, who would be a great guest, you know, perhaps for the show. Does anyone come sure. to mind? Very much so. I mean, I think having, having this relationship model ba- or this business model based on, on, on close relationships, I can think of two, two people fascinating um, uh, business leaders. One is Daniel Nagari who, when he was 27, was the youngest person ever to own his own top-level domain name. So he owned .xyz, which amazingly, when Google created Alphabet, they decided to use a .xyz domain name. Um, So a couple of years later, he had uh, Alphabet. And if you go to abc.xyz, that's Alphabet's main website. Okay. um, Even today. And so... um, uh, uh, a, a um, but but a, a a great CEO entrepreneur hugely successful um, based in Los Angeles, and um, and the other one I could think of is Bhavan Tarakia. So Bhavan's uh, um, uh, uh, again uh, uh, a a um, entrepreneur who I guess by his mid thirties, his his and his brother Div's exits had had of companies they created and sold had had already passed the billion dollar mark, mm. and um, he's still CEO of two companies, creating new tech companies all the time. Um, a like again, amazing guy, um, and and have, happily both of them are business partners of, of of ours in various parts of our business. So a pleasure to work with as well. That's, that's really fascinating. What inspires you about them in particular, would you say? Uh, well, I guess the thing is they're both much younger than me. So it's like, um, <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, um, I guess I've known them both for quite a while. 
and and uh, at, at relatively early stages of their careers. And obviously, I, I joined Central Mac as a tiny company too. So I think just the fact that we've been able to stay in touch with each other, do business and deals together, and kind of grow grow our businesses in parallel with each other has meant we've always kind of been been peers, which is right. which is a you know a, a very yes. cool shared thing. journey a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. fascinating. Hey. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite questions is, is thinking, no matter how much we've achieved, there's always an X level to get to. So where does Central Nick go from here as a business? What's kind of on your radar? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think what people are looking for is, you know, without growth rate and scale, like when are we going to be a billion dollar business? And, and sure, that's no doubt inevitably going to happen the next couple of years at some point. But, you know, that's that's a milestone. It's it's not a it's not a um, it's not a, a, a really a step change in what we're doing. Mm. That is just just incremental change. I think um I think just uh, uh, really proving and building our our marketplace model and showing that um, that 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 by um, selling all these online services and focusing on uh, entrepreneurs and enterprise and big tech platforms and government um, uh, actually is is a fantastic model. Um, which we and that all of these um, organisations actually have a lot in common. And again, I guess I'm I'm a I, I think I'm a big believer in diplomacy, in in you know in in um, sensitive uh, uh, persuasion. Um, so I'm also though a big believer in kind of uh, you know radical transparency. But I think often that lends itself to just inviting kind of the Twitter trolls of the office to take the microphone. So I think, you know, we try not to, not to encourage that, but say, let's face all of our issues very transparently and then deal with them very diplomatically. And so I think to build a tech company that has that kind of culture, that has that kind of approach to like bring in all those constituents and say, Hey, we're government friendly. We're, tech platform friendly and we're entrepreneur friendly um hopefully it's a different kind of tech company and and it's yeah. one that, yeah we would like to see succeed and flourish yeah i love it i love the way you know you so articulate about that those multiple stakeholders and 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 the focus you put on each one i think it's 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 uh it's really interesting because often people you know rotate on one stakeholder and, and then everything else is seen through that lens but you've got this balanced approach yeah. which is yeah, yeah. mediation and yeah yeah, exactly. I think I think, and that and there's that that's also a big commercial opportunity. Like if you yeah. can exactly mediate yeah. between tech platforms and governments and entrepreneurs, that's that's an opportunity because they Absolutely. can't do it by themselves. Yeah, that's a great point. So, and, and Ben, and ask Lena, how, what do you what will you need to do differently as CEO to multiply your own impact? You know, as the business continues to grow, I mean, what what how will your role change? Well, I guess I got to go on podcasts, right? And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I suppose that's it. With thinking, I, I guess I'm thinking more about broadcasting and so on. I mean, the company mm-hmm. just recently, so we've kind of joined the World Economic Forum. Where, where? Um, I mean, I, I, I have had a parallel career as a journalist all my life, mm-hmm. and now I'm trying to maybe bring these things together. So instead of 
you know, writing about um, art exhibitions. I'm actually writing about what the, the, the business and what okay. we're trying to do and internet policy and so on. So I think there's, um, we want to be an important company. And I think in order to do that, we've got to get, we've got to raise our profile at the, mm. you know, and play with the big boys. So, so yeah. I guess uh, that's my role. Fantastic. Last thing, Ben, if people want to find out more about you or, or about the company, how do, how do they best get in touch? Um, Ben.Crawford at centralnick.com. I mean, feel free to email me. Um, I'm pretty accessible. Uh, maybe not physically anymore, <laughs> but, but certainly, yeah, always, yeah, always keen to build new connections. So yeah, I would welcome anyone who's been interested by what I've had to say to, to get in touch. Fantastic. Well, hey, Ben, it's been a fantastic conversation. You know, I've really enjoyed getting this inside glimpse into, you know, this journey that you've been on from 12 people to 700 and, and 250, 500 million revenues, right? It's been a really you know, fascinating journey. But I also love, yeah, that heart that comes out that there is this relationship focus. There's this sense of, you know, there's the commercial side, but there's also, you know, um, how do we how do we yeah mediate between the different stakeholders and, and make the place world a bit of a better place as you do that so i think that definitely comes out in, in who you are and, and your focus so i wish you all the best on the next on the next stage and thanks for spending a few minutes with us very happy to thank you for inviting me thanks ben take care i hope you enjoyed this conversation now let's talk about you when you're in top leadership when you're in the biggest role of your career who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.